0: Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news?
1: And interviews with some of Disney's
2: biggest stars? Well, have we got the podcast for you.
0: Welcome to D23 Inside Disney.
2: I'm Tony from Good Morning America.
1: I'm Jeffrey from D23.
0: And I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And together, we are taking you Inside Disney.
1: Hello, beautiful people.
0: Hello, hello, hello. So happy to see you both. hello. (laughs) Woo, we're back. Yay! Back
1: Back and better than ever. (laughs) And it's been a week. I've had a week. Tony, I'm I'm catching up. I finally saw Eternals. (gasps) Amazing. I say finally, like, oh my God, it's been in theaters for so long. I was very lucky and got to go see Eternals, I should say.
0: That's more like it.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Tony, you you were all of your feelings were
2: totally on point. Right. And I don't know what, what we're allowed to say, what we're not allowed to say, other than that, it's incredible. <laughs> and everybody must fly, not run or walk, fly to the theaters to see. Yes. And not don't fly too close to the sun.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, I know you're not like teasing anything, but it feels like you're hiding Easter eggs in everything you say. But I know that's not the case. You both just seem very shifty right now.
1: I mean, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny shiftiness. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> but also,
1: this weekend, I went to Disneyland and Yay. it was so much fun. Sherry, it's going to be Jeffrey's Christmas Corner. Ooh. A little Christmas corner here for everyone.
0: Oh my gosh
1: i went to plaza point which just opened on main street usa it's their new holiday store so ah, cute so love fun. all the design like the imagineers the talent the merch people they do such a great job all the details in there are so cute i saw at least six ornaments that i need to add to my collection immediately
0: is there even room on your tree
1: I mean, there's room in the box for the ornaments that I don't put on my tree. Uh, I, you need whole... multiple
0: trees. No,
1: I told you we cannot do that. We, you cannot enable <laughs> me. Please, please don't encourage. But I also, Sherry, I did come back and have another not so little chicken sandwich because they're everything.
0: They're yes, so, 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 so good.
1: So good. And saw Halloween Scream's fireworks, which were amazing. So great. I first time seeing Disneyland fireworks back. So that was just fantastic and exciting and seeing Zero Fly. It's very fun. And speaking of Disneyland and Disney World, a former president of both of those parks, George is coming up. He is the ambassador for the 50th at Walt Disney World. And he had some great stories to share from busing tables 50 years ago at the Contemporary all the way to being the ambassador for this fantastic event and getting a window on main street usa some great stories so stick around for that and sherry what have you been up to
0: well i took a trip back in time the year was 2005 and i am watching (laughs) twitches on disney plus starring tia and tamara oh my gosh it's amazing it also reminded me of all of the weird, cool fashion that was happening in the mid 2000, the mid aughts, (laughs) like (laughs) these tiny little sequined shrugs. I used to have so many of those and I like forgot they existed. They like just cover your shoulders and like the tops of your arms. They serve no purpose other than looking cool and Tia and Tamara rock them in the movie. So (laughs) anyone else who remembers that fashion, hit me up on Instagram, we can share pics. They're very embarrassing, but I had plenty of those.
1: <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I love it. Well, from 2005 fashion to 2021 news, Sherry, what's going on? Why don't you start yes. us off?
0: Well, I've got some 2022 news for us. Epcot what? International Ooh. Festival of the Arts is coming January 14th <gasps> through February 21st. Woohoo! Okay. Yay. It's a global celebration of the performing, the visual, and my favorite, the culinary arts. It's all <laughs> part of the world's most magical celebration. Some experiences include culinary delights from food studios all around World Showcase. There is a fun food stroll called the Wonderful Walk of Colorful Cuisine. Mm. And then Jeffrey and Tony, you're going to like this Disney on Broadway concert series. It's back.
2: (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No way.
0: It's so fun. Returning with some top tier entertainers performing Disney songs live at the America Gardens Theater. There are going to be chalk artists who turn regular, regular walkways into these stunning landscapes and portraits. Of course, there'll be festival merch and so, so, so much more. So yeah, that's coming 2022. I got news from the future. How oh, fun.
2: Well, Jeffrey, you will never guess what's floating into New York City in a few Please. weeks. What will, will it float my boat? It <laughs> really will. <laughs> a particular boat, in fact. Disney Cruise Line will be debuting a brand new cruise ship float, making its maiden voyage in the 95th Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yay! Appropriately christened Magic Meets the Sea, oh, which I love. It's inspired, of course, by the Disney Wish, which set sail next summer and hopefully mm-hmm. us sometime next summer as well. Mm-hmm. And you can catch a render of this really amazing float right now at the Disney Parks blog, which is really, really awesome. Mm. Well, speaking of the Disney Wish,
1: while we were at Walt Disney World, I had the good fortune to sample some of the delectable cuisine, as did you, Tony, that is going to be featured on the Disney Wish. And they made some amazing reveals about each of the restaurants. You can read my full story on d23.com, but some of the fun highlights included the 1923 restaurant, which of course we know is named after D23, which is of course named after the year that Walt Disney <laughs> came to Southern California to be with his brother Roy and they set up the what would become the Walt Disney Company. So 1923, love that they're doing this. There's two separate dining rooms, a Walt dining room, a Roy O dining room. There's 800 pieces of artwork, 50 character maquettes, 24 multi-playing camera cell setups, celebrating 16 beloved animated films. They showed us some of the gorgeous maquettes. The, the films include everything from Snow White to Moana. Can't wait to dine there. Arendelle, A Frozen Dining Adventure. We talked about this on our show from Walt Disney World. If you haven't watched that, head over to the D23 YouTube and watch our show dedicated to the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World Resort. But back to Arendelle. It's the first purpose-built theatrical dining experience on a cruise ship. You guys know I'm a huge Cruise Line fan. We're going to get to a little bit more of that in a second. But the Disney Wonder has Tiana's Place. The Disney Magic has the Tangled-themed experience, which I love. But this one was actually built for a show, so you just know that it's going to be even, even grander. They did have a few fun reveals, including the fact that Oaken and his catering <laughs> company are the ones who are serving up the dishes. Olaf is going to be there; he's going to go table to table visiting people. The food—it's. Uh, oh, I looked at some of the menu items. Of course, chocolate block with Easter eggs. And last but certainly not least, Worlds of Marvel, which is, of course, as we've talked about, the first ever Marvel Cinematic Dining Adventure is going to be presenting Avengers Quantum Encounter, which, of course, stars Ant-Man and the Wasp, which we knew. But what they revealed, along with many other cool things, is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe actors who play Ant-Man and the Wasp, Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly, along with our new Captain America, Anthony Mackie and Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, have already filmed segments that are gonna be a part of this experience as they fight Ultron who shows up because you can't keep a good villain down. Ultron showing up, (laughs) they're gonna be fighting on the upper decks while guests from the dining room are helping with their cores that are on all the tables. It's a whole lot going on. The desserts were very tasty that we sampled again head over to D23.com for way more details than that. And you're probably thinking, how could there be more details than that? But there are. And guys, I I do have a confession to make. I mentioned the Disney Mm -hmm. wonder. I may be going on the Disney wonder this weekend. So
0: (gasps) this weekend, this weekend. Oh my gosh, you got to get (laughs) free.
1: Stay tuned for a recap of my adventures there and the fun on the Disney wonder. Oh my gosh. I love
0: a casual cruise line drop from Jeffrey. (laughs) It's so fun.
2: Uh, we'll be glued to the Insta this weekend, Jeffrey. I love it. And I'll wait. Well, some Star Wars and Marvel news for you guys. First up, Lego Star Wars Castaways is coming to Apple Arcade on November 19th. It's a brand new mobile game sending fans on galactic adventures, which are my favorite kind of adventures, by the way. And you can even <laughs> customize your own in-game Lego minifigure characters, which is also a super fun thing that I would like to do. So that's coming November 19th. But available now is the story of Marvel Studios, the first ever book sharing an all access history of Marvel Studios's creation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as told by the people who brought it to life. It's a two volume set and includes unpublished behind the scenes photography from cast and crew. And that's available now. Amazing. Well, and
1: speaking of books, I actually was sent an advanced copy of Marcy Carricker Smother's newest book, Walt's Disneyland, A Walk in the Park with Walt Disney. It is full of stories and photos that I've never seen. And you guys know I see a lot of walt stories there's one thing about a little hideaway he had that i never knew about at disneyland tons of fun details excellent stories from our friends at disney publishing so check that out the book hits stores november 16th but you can of course read more about it from disney books
0: well fellas getcha 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 head in the game for some basketball news (laughs) okay (laughs) Rise is a new film that's based on the lives of some basketball champs, Giannis, the Gnosis, and Costas Antetokounmpo. It's premiering on Disney Plus in 2022, and it's all about this incredible family and how they launched into their career, and, and it's three NBA champions, all three brothers are NBA champs, which is incredible. They are the first trio of brothers to ever become NBA champs in the history of the league. And in the film, we have newcomer Uche Agata and Raul Agata, who are real life brothers and they're portraying Giannis and Danasis. So yeah, it's super cool. I'm excited to see this. My husband's a big NBA fan, so I'm sure we're gonna watch this. It's all about the family and their immigration to Greece from Nigeria. When the brothers weren't selling items to tourists on the streets of Athens with their family, they would sneak away, play some basketball with a local youth team. And from there, Giannis entered the NBA draft in 2013, and it was a long shot prospect that would not only change his life, but the life of his whole family, it sounds like. It'll be very inspirational and maybe inspire me to like play basketball for one day and then be like, okay, I'm terrible at this. I'm just gonna leave it to the professionals. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, sure, we know you're
1: just like, why get off your couch when you can just watch other people playing basketball?
0: That's what I'm saying exactly. The magic of Disney Plus. So that is coming in 2022. Cannot wait.
2: Yay! Well, also coming back to Disney Plus, there's a new trailer out for the new season of the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Did you guys genius, get to watch this? Genius. It's so good. There's everything in the new season, from magic to monsters. The first five episodes of the all new season will launch exclusively on Disney Plus, of course. On, drum roll please. November 12th, so soon. Mm. I got a chance to talk with Jeff a few years ago at an Oscars party, humble brag I know, but he (laughs) remains one of the coolest and most wonderful people ever. And I'm so excited for the return of this series. Mm. Awesome. Well, you know what time it is? (gasps) Snack Uh,
3: time?
1: it's time for five fantastic things to watch this weekend courtesy of our friends at d23 the official disney fan club for complete details please visit d23.com sherry what's up
0: first Up first is Decorating Disney Halloween Magic, which is part of Freeform's 31 Nights of Halloween that is airing Saturday, October 30th at 7 a.m. Eastern on Freeform. So this is a special from 2018 that has Good Trouble star Sierra Ramirez hosting this behind-the-scenes look at how Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and Disney Cruise Line are preparing for Halloween.
1: Love it, love mm-hmm. it. Speaking of Halloween, The Ghost and Molly McGee has new episodes on Saturday, October 30th. So if you are a fan of that show, head to Disney Channel at 9 a.m. on the 30th to watch.
2: And back on 31 Nights of Halloween, you guys can catch Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Woo-hoo! Yay! Nice. Saturday, October 30th at 7.10 a.m. Eastern on Freeform.
1: Wake up early for that. But stay up late to watch Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, also fun part of the 31 Nights of Halloween on Freeform. Okay. It is making its network premiere on Freeform on Saturday, October 30th at 11 p.m.
0: Nice. And if you're like me and have 16 hours to spare on Sunday, October 31st, <laughs> starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on FXX, it is a marathon of The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror. Yes. Me, my couch, The Simpsons, very excited.
1: I mean, and and hopefully a bucket of candy.
0: Oh yeah, of course.
1: All right, on to today's guest. In September of 1971, at the age of 17, this man began his Disney career working as a busboy at Disney's Contemporary Resort. He's now the president of Segment Development for Disney Parks Experiences and Products. In between, among many roles, he's been Chief Operating Officer of Disneyland Resort Paris and the President of both Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts. He's one of the rare people to be honored with a window on Main Street USA of the Magic Kingdom, and he's now the Global Ambassador for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Please welcome to the show,
2: George Caligridis. (laughs) Woohoo! George, first of all, big congrats on everything at Walt Disney World, the success of the world's most magical celebration. It was so great to be down there with everybody. How's it feel so, so far that it's out there in the world we're celebrating finally the 50th?
3: It feels great, Tony. And, <laughs> you know, it's clear the world is ready to celebrate. So everything that we've offered up so far, the guests love it. And it's been, you know, over 50 years, you meet a lot of guests and you stay in touch with them. And I'll tell you what, this December, this holiday period is going to be very interesting because I think they're all coming. They've all written me. They are all, they are so excited.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Well, first things first, need to know, how did you learn you're getting a window on Main Street USA?
3: So this actually is very unusual. We were having our first ever gathering of Josh's executive committee. This was in August, just a few months ago. And the new mandate had come in for masks back in Los Angeles. So this was going to be in California. So if we were going to be inside, we needed to wear a mask. And this was a two-day event. So we thought that may be difficult. So we actually were on the rooftop of a hotel that was designed for people to be on the rooftop. Don't get me wrong. We were (laughs) all sitting on the roof. Bob Iger had come by and Christine McCarthy, Alan Bergman. And the last speaker was Bob and Bob Chapik, and so he came and he shared thoughts and things. It was a great discussion, and at the end, out of nowhere, he just announces that we're going to honor George and celebrate the 50th anniversary with a window on Main Street. It was completely out of left field, to say the least. It was amazing.
2: Wow. I mean, if
3: you want to catch everybody by surprise, that did it. And then, of course, because I think, as you all know, for the most part, individuals who received the windows have retired. So then, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, hmm, is this how, you know, there's a suggestion that it's time to retire. <laughs> and everybody else is looking, thinking, does Bob know that George is sitting here amongst us? It was a moment, but then he knew <laughs> what was going on as he always does. And he said, actually, I realized that these are typically given once an individual retired. He said, I'm intentionally giving this one now because I want people to know the importance of this role as they come to celebrate the 50th anniversary so we wrapped it up it was great
1: that is amazing
0: well in case people don't know it says be our guest the main street chamber of commerce invites you to live work play in our welcoming community main street usa people partnerships and progress are the keys to our world george a Caligridis, ambassador main street usa what do those words mean to you
3: Well, first of all, just to have a window realizing that, you know, there are not that many when you think about how many people have worked at Walt Disney World or Disney in general. So I was extremely honored. But over the last several weeks between the announcement and when it actually was unveiled, what became actually more important and incredibly impactful to me was to learn the stories of the individuals who had been actually interviewed and why certain things were on that. I mean, Josh spent hours making sure that every word was exactly the ones that he wanted and he had taken input from a lot of people. There are, at the very top, you'll see there's a sunburst. And the sunburst was because I'm known for being in the office very early in the morning. So that (laughs) that level of detail... It showed how much care went into it. So yes, it's a window. Yes, it's an amazing honor. But the fact that every word actually meant something and hopefully something that I contributed in my career was really even more special.
1: Mm. All right, let's go back 50 years. You started as a buster at Disney's Contemporary Resort. We'd like some details here. Which restaurant? What were the best dishes being served? We want to know.
3: So... When the hotel opened, there basically were two restaurants on the fourth floor concourse. You had the Grand Canyon Dining Room and the Grand Canyon Coffee Shop. I mean, a lot of effort went into thinking up those names. (laughs) Quickly, we learned, because as you can imagine, this was the first hotel in America that had been built with a monorail coming through the uh, lobby, And it was really early on in that period of architecture where the big atriums, so the Hyatt in Atlanta had already been built, which was really one of the first. The Embarcadero Hyatt also had been built in San Francisco. But outside of that, these big open atriums were not known entities. But the model to build the hotel was they only had data to use the same kinds of data that from these other hotels, which were not any like what Walt Disney World was going to end up being in terms of the number of people. So that's where everything got completely out of a line, like within week one. So in a typical convention hotel, you've got probably 1.3 guests. And then that helps you figure out how many restaurant seats you need. In a hotel at Walt Disney World, you're at almost four per room. And so when you try to figure out restaurants, it's a very different dynamic. So bottom line, within the first weeks of being open, it was pretty clear we don't have enough seats to feed everyone. So the Grand Canyon dining room then morphed into underneath the monorail platform was the Pueblo room. And so that's where I worked. That was table service, fine dining. The Grand Canyon dining room actually then became a buffet, an Italian buffet, where you could serve a lot of people much faster. The coffee shop within the first couple of years morphed into a buffeteria. So again, It was all about how do you feed as many people as we had to feed? Because you had the hotel, it was full of guests all of the time. And then you had a monorail that dropped 300 people off every two or three minutes. So you can just imagine. Anyway, a very exciting time. And so the Pueblo Room, what was great about the Pueblo Room is it looked to the west. So those magnificent sunsets that you Mm. see in Florida, the guests would actually go to the windows because... The sunset over the Seven Seas Lagoon, just absolutely spectacular. In terms of what was popular, what's so great, I don't know how many of the listeners have had a chance to visit the new Steakhouse 71, which is now on the ground floor of the Contemporary, but they got many of those items right in terms of those were items that we served on opening day. So there is today in Steakhouse 71, it's a sustainable fish wrapped in parchment in 1971 it was pompano which is a type of fish native to florida that was wrapped in parchment so they got that right ambrosia which is a very interesting dish that is very popular in the midwest was always on our menu they have it on the menu in steakhouse 71 and the prime rib you know prime rib could be pretty normal but the prime rib always came with this popover in 1971. Mm. And that popover is back at Steakhouse 71. So it's really wonderful to see that actually they did their homework and they got that right.
2: Can confirm. I can speak for (laughs) different cherry from going there. Um, Did you have any favorite attractions from back in 1971, George?
3: You know, I think for me, the moment... We had uh, preview days, as we always do in a theme park. But again, what you have to remember in 1971, for most of the cast members who were starting, unless we'd had the ability to travel to Disneyland, this was our first experience in a Disney park period. And that was certainly the case with me. And so I took my mom and we went on It's a Small World, and she had been fortunate she and my dad had gone to the 64 world's fair in new york mm. so she was more prepared than i was for what was about <laughs> to happen but honestly i just can remember you know i 17 you're i don't know it was just like oh my god look at this and the detail i mean it was so far beyond anything that i had ever experienced and then i would say quickly haunted mansion because that had been something that was featured on tv on the wonderful world of disney so you know actually seeing walt talk about it and then getting in a ride vehicle and experiencing it those were probably two at the opening that were really the most impactful to me
0: now you helped launch the pin trading phenomenon can you talk about how that happened
3: of course so as you will recall the millennium celebration was centered at Epcot and for the entire company. And our mission was to bring the world together. And it was really important that we try to create experiences, activities that would in fact do that. So if you recall the parade tapestry of nations, Mm -hmm. which was one of the first times, actually probably the second that we actually had a parade at Epcot, but that was one of the things that brought everybody together out onto the promenade every single night during the celebration. So in looking for other opportunities, we also didn't want to focus only on World Showcase, we wanted to focus also on Future World. And if you can believe it or not, it's 2021 now, this was in 1998, and this was the Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan. IBM, which was a participant in interventions, they had a big pavilion. It was a tent, basically. And for the first time ever, all of the athletes would have a unique name in a concept called an email. <laughs> and you would, anybody anywhere in the world could write to each individual athlete. So we were going to go see how this worked. And so you went into this pavilion. And as far as you could see were desktop computers, the big ones. The athletes would come in and they would open their emails and read their letters from their fans from all over the world. So that's why we went to the Olympics. But if you recall, during that specific Olympics was when there was so much snow that on many days they had to cancel the event. So Hmm. what happened was you had in the center of the town a lot of tourists that just didn't have anything to do, but stand outside and meet each other. And you had a lot of Western tourists in an Eastern country. And what we stood back and watched was this brisk commerce of something, but we didn't know exactly what it was. So we would watch this. And I mean, people were doing this, communicating, even though they couldn't speak the language. And in the end it it was pin trading and it was Mm -hmm. Olympic pin trading. And so in watching that and watching how it brought people together from all over the world, the Imagineers and the merchandise team went back and said, "Okay, what if we create this concept of pin trading with uniquely Disney pins and we create a a procedure and an acceptable trading process and make sure that, you know, that they're all qualified and we built Pin Trading Mm -hmm. Central for the celebration. And and that's how it started. Wow.
1: All right. So, what are some of your favorite hidden details of Walt Disney World Resort that you can share?
3: There aren't too many secrets because there are so many people who listen to these blogs, and they all know everything. But one of the things that is both interesting to me and maybe something that next time guests go and visit EPCOT they can go and appreciate a little bit more, when the American Adventure was built, the bricks that it was built from were actually manufactured on site in the same way that the bricks that were used to build the original Independence Hall in Philadelphia were built or made. Because if you just ordered bricks, normally they're gonna come off an assembly line and be delivered and it would look like a, a new building. And the intent was this building needed to, of course, reflect the period of Independence Hall. And so those bricks were all handmade and put in place that way. And that's why the American Adventure is as stunning as it is. And it looks like it came right out of that period. So it's one of my favorite stories because it shows the level of detail. And that would have been an easy thing to say, are we going to really spend the money to make our own bricks? And at Disney, <laughs> the answer is yes, we are, if it's important to the story. And that was an important one. Wow. Outside of that, they're not secrets to your listeners as much as I bet people don't frequent them as often as maybe they should. These are restaurants, mm. and they are home runs. They're fun. And I wouldn't say you can always get a walk-in reservation. I would never encourage that for a guest, but. Anyway, they're great. So one is Sebastian's Bistro at Caribbean Beach. So that mm. opened right when the total renovation of Caribbean Beach and the Skyliner came and all of that. But it is fabulous. It's right on the water. Amazing views. And you see the sunsets from there. It's just, it's really great. And then Trattoria Al Forno, which is at the Boardwalk Inn, mm-hmm. right on the boardwalk there. And that's a hidden secret as well. That one is so great. They have meatballs there that will speak to you. So they're really, really
2: <laughs> so. I love it. Well, George, you've led at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts. Can you talk a little bit about some of the nuances and differences between overseeing both of the incredible properties?
3: I mean, you know, Tony, what's great is the reason that both are successful is, of course, the cast. Everybody comes to see the cast. The difference is that who is the everybody? And at Disneyland, it is a much more regional, Southern California, West Coast audience, but guess who return often. So their expectations are very different. You need to change it up more often because the audience is coming often. At Walt Disney World, Truly, it is a worldwide audience. 25% of the guests who visit Walt Disney World in the course of a year are international guests. And Mm -hmm. so the repeat cycle is longer because you have people coming from all over the world. You have a lot more people as well. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic. Something can last longer in terms of being exposed to the guests at Walt Disney World than perhaps at Disneyland. But at the end of the day, everybody's coming for the same thing, which is to be entertained, to really make that break from the real world and just really come in and enjoy themselves. And that is exactly the same. And Mm. the cast are exactly the same. There's really not a difference at all. It's a little bit hotter in the summer in Florida if you're a cast member working outside, as you know.
2: Just a little bit. (laughs)
3: <laughs> but don't let that fool you. As cast members working at Disneyland will also tell you, it can get hot as blazes in California, and the difference is you won't have that afternoon rain. That while it makes it hot, it cools things off. So it's a trade-off.
1: Mm. Tony does know from his own experience working PhotoPass down at Walt Disney World. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> so you're the global ambassador for the 50th anniversary of the resort. Can you talk about some of the things that you've been doing in that capacity?
3: Well. For sure, the last several weeks, we have met a lot of media people.
2: <laughs>
3: but it's been great. So, you know, my role is to not only speak to media, but to speak to cast members, to speak to groups of either local business leaders or educators, whomever's interested in Walt Disney World. And there are so many aspects of Walt Disney World. There's the entertainment aspect. There's the true genius of some of the early design factors that have made Walt Disney World such an amazing place. And so depending on who the audience is, you know, then that's who I'll speak to. But a lot of what I'm doing right now is just, you know, being somebody that has been around since the opening and can perhaps share some stories and perspectives that maybe people haven't heard before.
1: You touched on this a little bit, but in talking to cast members, I can only imagine how inspirational hearing your story is for a college program, a 17-year-old person coming in and hearing about your incredible experiences and success. Have you seen that?
3: Oh, yeah. I am so fortunate. When I host, for example, a diversity and inclusion coffee chat, at least half of the attendees will reach out afterwards and we'll have follow-up conversations. And a lot of it is about their career and is this a place? Because the world today is very competitive in general, as we know. And one of the great things, I would tell you, it's so much better today in terms of what we're offering than what we did 50 years ago. So think about for somebody like myself, when I started, I worked my way through school. So that four years as an hourly employee, today, that would be completely paid for by the company completely mm-hmm. paid for so i mean those are the kinds of things that from a benefit perspective you don't find in every company to be sure but then even more important than that is are there careers you know what are the kinds of things and fortunately for me 50 years ago i joined as the company was continuing to grow but if you look at today We haven't slowed down, and I don't ever see that happening. So we know there's plenty of land, there's plenty of ideas, and that means that there's going to be plenty of opportunities. So what's amazing is today your education can actually be paid for by the company. You'll be celebrated throughout your time with the company in ways that many other companies, like if you talk to people who work in other companies and you tell them, here's what happened on my 10th anniversary. I mean, they can't even imagine this. And then, as you know, once the service celebrations that we host in the parks each year for all of the cast members, these kinds of things, it's part of the Disney DNA. We don't have a second thought about it. On the other hand, you see how special it is when you talk to someone and they tell you, I'm going to my service award dinner tonight. I mean, they just light up. And those Mm -hmm. are exactly the kinds of things that keep cast members here for 50 years. Mm.
1: You're also now president of Segment Development and Enrichment. Can you talk about what that encompasses?
3: So it's sort of two buckets of work, two businesses. One is the Disney Institute and the other is National Geographic Live. So the Disney Institute is our external facing business where we teach sort of the lessons learned from a leadership perspective to companies outside of Disney. And National Geographic Live is the business that Showcases the explorers who have received grants from the National Geographic Society. And we put them in front of live audiences all around the world. These individuals are just doing amazing things. Every single one of them, you come away from one of these experiences, it's typically a 90 minute experience, and you feel good about the world. And you also are very clear about what you can do to help make the world a better place. So those are two amazing businesses. And then on the other side, I represent the company on nonprofit boards that are important to the company. So several of them, Points of Light, which is all of the volunteering that we encourage for organizations and communities around the country. That's a big part of Disney. So I represent the company there. I represent the company on the board of Out and Equal, which is a workplace advocacy. So again, I have the best job of all to be honest, because I get to drive a business, I get to share leadership, you know, learnings from my career at Disney, and then I get to help influence and make sure that Disney is represented well in the uh, nonprofits that are important to us and to our cast members. Hmm. Hmm.
0: All right, George, we love to do Disney favorites with some of our guests, so we'll start with favorite Disney movie.
3: Eech, Pollyanna. Ooh, nice
1: Favorite Disney resort around the world:
3: Grand Floridian.
2: Favorite Disney song:
3: I know this is going to be questionable, but probably Frozen.
1: <laughs> Which one? Let it go. Yeah. Ooh, good one. Good one.
3: Love that.
0: Favorite character to get a photo with: Eeyore. Ah, no one ever says Eeyore. That's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> oh.
3: <Aww. Aww. laughs>
2: the oz i love it favorite disney parks attraction
3: oh you know flight of passage is yeah they're all great in their own way (laughs) of course that one's probably my favorite
0: Mm. okay and then one of my favorite disney favorites to ask what is your favorite disney restaurant
3: victoria and albert's
2: Mm. Uh Okay. Okay. A personal favorite to ask. Your favorite Disney park snack.
3: I'm a Dole Whip person. Yes. <laughs>
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well done. All right, George, thank you so much. We end every interview with this question. I'm sure it's going to be a tough one because with 50 years of memories plus, I can't even imagine. But your favorite Disney memory.
3: My favorite memory was so far the opening of the millennium village and maya mm-hmm. angelo came and she read a poem and we had all of the young people from the 54 new countries as well as the 11 existing it, it was just a moment where you realized you know we can all work together and live together and there's hope for a, a better world and those young people delivered just an amazing 15 months
0: Mm.
3: it was great
1: love that wow what a great memory george thank you so much it's so great to see you and chat with you congratulations on uh, the 50th on the window on everything yeah and we look forward to uh hopefully seeing
3: you real soon appreciate it jeffrey thanks it was great to meet you cherry and tony you too thank you george (laughs) thank you you know, it gives
2: me such a peace of mind to know that everything at Steakhouse 71 is fully approved by George.
1: Those stories were great. Like, Incredible, who right? Who
2: oh, I love that.
1: I do remember sampling some of, I think it was, it, was it your popover, Tony or Sherry? Someone had a popover and I <laughs> thought about that. Yes. Yeah, they were, now I'm hungry again.
0: Me too.
2: <laughs> I'm always hungry. hmm mm. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, make sure you use the hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com.
0: We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney.
2: Disney.